Hello and welcome to the Bookback Podcast. Um, I am your co-host Jason Coop, and this is one of my favorite types of podcasts. Where my fellow co-host Carlissa J say hi, sweetie. Hi. We'll do most of the talking, and I will just have to react. I don't have to actually say a whole lot. So, with that in mind, carry it away, sweetheart. I want you to say something. Yeah, all I have to it's do part is part of your reaction. Yeah, just co- comments like. Mm. Uh. You know, <laughs> good guy reactions. <laughs> what? That says it. That says it all right there, huh? Well, I hope you will say more than that. So, on this episode, we're going to be talking about C.S. Lewis, one of the most famous Christian fantasy authors, writer of the famed Chronicles of Narnia, as well as multiple apologetics books such as Mere Christianity. As part of researching my upcoming book, Christian Fantasy 101, I've been learning about C.S. Lewis, and I was surprised to discover that he is a more complicated figure than I imagined. He's generally presented as a very safe, orthodox Christian voice, one that people love to quote. But looking deeper, I found things that surprised me. I think that has more to do with the fact that when people latch on to a person, particularly when that person... lived some time ago and is now deceased it's like hey we can just latch on to this part of who he is and completely ignore or pretend like this other stuff that he said or believed didn't exist because we don't like that or don't want to think about that yeah i think we can to get a certain view in our head it's a pretty limited view actual people are complicated Tell me about it. Why did I marry you again? You're way too complicated for me. I'm perfectly complicated. That's not at all egotistical. (laughs) You are perfectly complicated too. No, I'm perfectly simple. I'm a dude. That's how we roll. So I have made a list of 10 surprising things about C.S. Lewis. I haven't talked with Jason about most of these, so I'm hoping to get his raw reactions, although he probably knows at least a few of them already. And I'm hoping against all hope she doesn't mention a certain one. <clears throat> oh, I'm, I'm going to... This isn't everything I found surprising, but these are some fun surprises. Um, perhaps you, can, the, listener, the listener, can be surprised along with him. So, fun fact number one. Da, da, da. C.S. Lewis was Irish. You knew that, didn't you? I honestly can't remember what I knew and didn't know. And the thing is that I want to try an Irish accent, but I always mix that up with my Scottish accent. So <laughs> I'll probably wind up sounding like Scrooge McDuck. And everyone knows that C.S. Lewis would probably roll over in his grave if somebody started talking like a Scotsman around him. Yeah, I always imagine C.S. Lewis with an English accent. Oh, a very no. dry British accent. But apparently... Maybe talk like N.T. Wright. Maybe he learned to speak with an English accent, but no, he was Irish, born and raised, and proud of his Irish heritage. All Irish are proud of their heritage. They're very proud people, like the Scottish, but don't mix up the two. (laughs) (laughs) So, fun fact number two. His conversion to Christianity was actually a bit of a long process that took... About a decade, from what I've read. So we think it's a very basic summary. C.S. Lewis was an atheist, and he became a Christian. 
that's a very simple thing that made me think, oh, it was that simple. It's it not wasn't. That, it's not that simple for anyone, really, especially if they come to uh, Christ in their later years. There's always some kind of buildup to it, I find. Just whether or not people realize it is another story. Yeah, for him, it was that he went from atheism to being a deist first, so believing in the existence of God, but he wasn't convinced about Christianity's claims. Uh, it took a while for him to move from deist to Christian. Yeah, one step at a time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he got there eventually. Yeah. Fun fact number three. He did not identify with any particular denomination. <gasps> you mean that C.S. Lewis was not an evangelical? Then why the heck are we holding him up on a pedestal? Like, is it just me, people, or do does the evangelical circle here in North America not tend to tear down anyone that doesn't fit within that camp? And spoiler alert, C.S. Lewis decidedly does not fit in the evangelical camp. Yeah. And he was comfortable with seeing Catholics as Christians. <gasps> oh my goodness. The scandal. Um, although he said he couldn't become a Catholic because he just disagreed with some of their beliefs. So? But he still did. Yeah. He didn't identify with any particular Protestant denomination and always just called himself, hence the name of the book, a mere Christian. Convenient. Mm. Convenient, that is. Mm. <sighs> Fun fact number four. What was C.S. Lewis's official career? Mm. I'm going to say a baker. <laughs> so we think of him as an apologist and a writer. And he did some radio shows. If you but say a soul... Hey, if you say a soldier because of the time he spent in the army in World War II, that doesn't count. No, that was temporary. Yes, obviously. But his official career path was he studied medieval literature. Who paid him to do that? Universities. Although at one point he had trouble getting the job that he wanted. But anyway, that was ha! his official career path. He actually translated... Several medieval works that had never been translated into English. And he wrote and taught about different medieval books. That would explain why the Chronicles of Narnia definitely has a lot of similarities with a lot of different classic medieval type stories I have heard over my lifetime. Like, I can't name any of the medieval tales I've heard by name but all of a sudden that makes a lot more sense the wording and tone of a lot of those of yeah the chronicles of narnia hmm. go figure yeah and he was able to go beyond medieval stereotypes because for a living he studied medieval literature and found you know not all of our stereotypes about the medieval era are exactly accurate to which he became one of your many heroes because he did research and was a nerd. Carlisef is a big fan of the nerds. And I love you. Nerd! So, uh, fun fact number five. What did C.S. Lewis consider to be his best novel? 
I'm going to guess it wasn't any of the Chronicles of Narnia. No. Okay, yeah, because that would have been a little confusing for him to pick out one. Ah, his best one. Was it this hideous strength? You mean that hideous strength? Yeah, the last one in the Space Trilogy. No. Okay. The screw tape letters? No. Hey, I'm drawing a blank here, okay? I don't know all of them or even close to all of them. That's fair. Most people have never even heard of this one. Uh, According to Philip and Carol Teleski in The Fellowship, The Literary Lives of the Inklings, C.S. Lewis claimed that the best book he ever wrote, or the best novel, rather, that he ever wrote, was Till We Have Faces. Huh. Have you read it yet? Which is the last novel he wrote. I haven't read it yet. Well, hey, that's actually pretty common for most artists for them to think their latest work is the best one. Mm -hmm. It was also his only novel that flopped critically and financially. Hey, come on. Like, how many did he write to only have one that flopped? That's pretty good. Yeah. But a little bit of an irony that the one he considered his best is the one that did not do very well. Although some people these days do agree with him. You will find C.S. Lewis fans who argue that it is his best work. Have you read it yet? No, it's on my bookshelf waiting for me. How many books are on that shelf waiting for you? I'll get to it soon. Uh-huh, right. It's a goal. And ducks will fly. Fun fact number six, C.S. Lewis believed in the theory of evolution. Okay, I better straighten this out very quick because... Okay, this was something that N.T. Wright pointed out in one of his The Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcasts. You can probably find if you just search evolution on that podcast. But are we talking the evolution theory or evolutionism, which, yeah, they're very different. So he agreed that with the idea that humans evolved from animals but believed that this was a God-driven and a God-ordained process. Okay, so he believed in the theory of evolution, but not evolutionism, which the difference between the two, just so you know, is that, yeah, the theory of evolution is, like Carlos had just said, roughly that, you know, humans evolved from animals, yada, yada, yada. You probably can fill in the stereotype evolutionism is where it's all done with the mentality of taking god out of the equation entirely to kind of explain away a a need for god to exist or there to be a creator or anything like that yeah so c.s lewis still had god in the picture and he still valued the adam and eve story so in the book paralandra part of the cosmic trilogy the main character so there's an adam and eve figure in this story and the main character while he's exploring their world uh encounters some animals that he's convinced are the ancestors of this adam and eve pair (coughs) and kind of has this bit of a meditation moment about them and thinking what if like human stories about nymphs and dryads and fairies wandering the woods is us kind of kind of an ancient recollection of interactions with our pre-human ancestors. Hmm. You can definitely tell all that C.S. Lewis, this was part of his vocation to study that sort of stuff. And also the space trilogy gave him a space to 
put these thoughts out loud. Mm-hmm. So another <laughs> fun one that could throw people off. So number seven. So he didn't necessarily believe this, but he played around with the idea of the existence of seven genders. Wow. So before this whole LGBTQ, whatever it is now thing, Lewis was already coming out with seven different genders. Mm-hmm. So it is based roughly, uh, I don't know a lot of the origins, but on the idea, a medieval idea of seven heavens, which okay. is connected to giving personalities to the different planets that are within our solar system. Mm. So C.S. Lewis was building on the idea that you don't have to have a sex to have a gender. So multiple languages will like refer to a mountain, say as a he. Oh. We have that a little bit in English, but a lot of languages have it more where we call a ship a she. Mm. She is a beautiful ship. Right. She is a beautiful ship, me hearties. Yeah. Nobody ever, no captain ever once said, yep, my ship's one wonderful dude. (laughs) Just a manly man's dude is my ship. Yep. I call it Sergeant Puppy Dog the first. So C.S. Lewis argued in his understanding, languages are pretty consistent about what is considered masculine and what is considered feminine. So his idea was that everything in the world has a gender. On Earth, there is just male and female, but in space, there are multiple other genders as well. So the planets have, and stars, have other genders that don't exist on Earth. Hence, you get to seven when we're just familiar with two. Well, and it also sounds like just what based on what you said, that he separated having a gender from sexuality or anything like that. Yeah. So even if things like mountains are not at all sexual, but have a gender. Right. So I guess the gender was more to describe its traits or... Yeah, something like that. And he argues that, or in that book, I'm pretty sure this is Paralandra that he talks about this, arguing that sometimes... The guises that we see male and female in can confuse us as to their ultimate nature. Hmm. So types of things that probably a modern day Christian apologist would get in a lot of trouble for talking about in conservative circles. But he felt free in his time period to play around with ideas. Well, I think in his time period, he was especially considering who he was and the kind of company he kept like with. The other inklings like Tolkien and such, I think they all felt more free to just philosophize because they they were all pretty entrenched in academia, if I recall correctly. Yep. So, yeah, you know, these are the sort of things that go through their mind. And, you know, especially in Lewis's space trilogy, you, I really got the sense, and I only read the first book, that that was a space for him to really explore some of these more abstract or academic type thoughts and philosophies than for a book that's obviously aimed at more a younger audience like the chronicles of narnia yeah so fun fact number eight maybe you could call it fun (laughs) c.s lewis was a little unclear where he stood in relation to pluralism so pluralism is the belief that people who are not christians will still be saved or at least some of them 
uh, different people draw the line in different ways. I want to say be extremely technical and annoying and literal and say, technically, we all believe in pluralism to some extent because we believe Abraham and Moses and Elijah are saved by God, by right. Jesus, but they were not Christians because they were came before Christianity. But it's more so, pluralism is more so used to refer to, you know, after Jesus came. Mm. People who are not Christians still getting saved by God and going into God's presence after they die. So, so the last battle is okay, one obvious was, example of this. I That's where I was automatically went to with this, because I know this is one that my dad always brought up as he wasn't a, a big fan of that part of the book. So long story short, near the end of the last battle, you meet up with all the main Earth people who have come to Narnia in the previous books. And, you know, they're wandering around out in this almost a heaven-like area. And they meet this Kalorman who worshipped Tash and stuff like that. And Tash, i guessing, was the stand-in for Satan or something like that. Uh, Tash was just representative of some alternative god. Right. Okay. And, yeah, they start, they start talking with this guy, and, you know, the Clorman tells him that uh, he met Aslan, and Aslan told him that, what was it, something to the effect of all that worship you did for Tash, because you did it with a pure heart, you did it for me or something like that? Yeah, that he was actually worshiping Aslan, even though he thought he was worshiping Tash. Okay, yeah, something to that effect. I can't remember it word for word. Yeah, so there was a point in C.S. Lewis's life where he said something along the lines of that he believes everyone who is searching for truth and beauty is really searching for God. And if they're sincere in their search, uh, when they die, God will reward them with himself. But he kind of went, hmm. when asked directly about it, he kind of went back and forth. So it seems like he wasn't entirely sure where he would draw the lines. So he writes different things at different points and responds to different questions in different ways. But yeah, so some aspect of pluralism seems to be part of his beliefs, but he wasn't entirely sure where to draw the line. Hmm. So fun fact number nine, Arthur Greaves. I'm going to speak for the rest of our audience here. Who dat? <laughs> so Arthur Greaves was a lifelong friend of C.S. Lewis. Uh, they were friends as children all the way to C.S. Lewis's death. He was gay. Huh. And I take it Lewis knew this. Yes. Okay. So there was a point when C.S. Lewis was a young man and an atheist and wrestling with who he was. Uh, according to uh, the C.S. Lewis podcast with Alistair McGrath, um, there was a time when he was considering becoming gay. C.S. Lewis was considering becoming gay. Okay. Uh, and Arthur Greaves hinted that he wanted a more romantic relationship with Lewis. Lewis turned him down on that. But they still stayed friends the rest of their lives. So just thinking C.S. Lewis's life could have taken a very different direction if he had made a different decision on that. Uh, you could say that about anyone, to be fair. But no, that's... And I don't know, just to me, that kind of reminds me of, like, if you actually hear somebody actually get into the nitty gritties of their life story. Yeah, you always find out these things where it's kind of like, oh, wow, that totally does not fit in 
this picture I have of who you are, what you stand for, what you, whatever, have gone through. Yeah, C.S. Lewis went through a lot of wrestling in his younger years as to what he believed and who he wanted to be. And that was part of it. Now I really wonder what he would say about the whole Western world wrestling with this whole sexuality thing. Yeah, I think he would have had some interesting insights. Uh, but alas, he died young in his 60s. We're going to come into... 60s counts fun. as young? Uh, he died younger than he should have. Well, okay, yeah. No, I get we kind of got this mentality that, you know, you kind of got to live to roughly 80 to live a quote-unquote full life, but... No, it, thinking specifically health-wise, he should have lived longer. For f- fun, actually more sad fact number 10, what caused his death? Wait a minute. Is this going to be like a Steve Irwin death where it's something totally fluky? No. Nothing, oh, okay. Nothing fluky. Oh, okay. It was lifestyle choices. Wait, was he a fast food junkie? No, but he did a lot of smoking and drinking throughout his <laughs> life. It was that very was the... heavily into alcohol and smoking. Ah, that was the cultural norm back in his day. Yeah, to some extent, but he kind of stood out for it. Like, people remembered him as someone who did a lot of drinking. And smoking. Huh, okay. So some people would argue some of it was uh, his wife Joy died, and the grief kind of drove him to his grave. But if you take, you know, just the pure medical look at it, it's more of a, a lifetime of heavy drinking and smoking brought him to an earlier grave than he should have had. Huh. So if you are a major apologist, writer speaker look after your body so you can be here a long time for people (laughs) who want to ask you lots of questions (laughs) yeah right you probably just is get everyone all lined up and go all right i'm gonna make a couple blanket statements and then that's it time for my nap (laughs) and we're gonna have a fun fact number 11 as a bonus oh my goodness you didn't tell me about this you said there was only going to be 10. I don't know if I can take this. Number 11, and I've told you a bit about this. C.S. Lewis stole from Tolkien. Wow, th- I can totally make a totally insensitive mark about Catholics because as Tol- Tolkien identified as a Catholic, Tolkien right? was very devoted Catholic. Right, yes. he was a, a very devoted Catholic. No, he wasn't just identifying. He was totally in it. But, you know, that's just mean. And also, come on, why do we pick on Catholics? That's just mean. They don't deserve that. So Tolkien actually began writing The Lord of the Rings a long time before he published it. He was one of those people who liked to rework and rework and rework things until they were, in his mind, perfect, which they never could be. That's the way it is with anyone. So he kind of had to be prodded into publishing any of his books. Uh, But he did share early drafts with people like C.S. Lewis. uh, And then some ideas when... Chronicles of Narnia was published, there were some ideas and concepts in it that when Tolkien read the Chronicles of Narnia, he was like, I came up with those first, but C.S. Lewis was faster to the publisher. publisher. (laughs) So then when Tolkien's books came out, apparently it looked to some people like Tolkien had stolen from or borrowed from C.S. Lewis when it was the other way around. Tolkien was kind of miffed at that. They were still friends, but he was miffed and he vocalized his 
displeasure. <laughs> In all fairness, I understand that. Like, frankly, sweetie, if you wrote something in and I knew that I came up with that first a long time ago, I'd probably wouldn't let that one go. And I'd be like, uh, no, 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 no. That one was mine, not yours. <laughs> all right. I hope you enjoyed these 11 fun facts about C.S. Lewis. Not at all definitive. And if you look, I'm sure you can find a lot more stuff that you didn't know. I I didn't cover some. We are not mentioning that one thing. Yeah. Uh, But if you want to learn more about C.S. Lewis and his life, uh, these are some of the resources I've been using. Philip and Carol Zaleski's The Fellowship, The Literary Lives of the Inklings. The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath, Jason M. Baxter's book, The Medieval Mind of C.S. Lewis, and Mark Worthing's book, Narnia, Middle-Earth, and the Kingdom of God. Hmm. I'm guessing I'll give you a little more detail than a Wikipedia search. Yeah, probably. Sadly, Wikipedia doesn't have the answers for everything. What a rough life we live, where you have to do research <laughs> and actively search this stuff out. So, this has been the Book Back Podcast. And if you want to see more about us and our podcast, you can go to book-bat.com. And yeah, just please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. I believe that's, yeah, it's on Apple for sure. And we'll see about getting it on other platforms and or just get it on the website. And yeah, please leave comments and ratings where appropriate, if possible. I don't know. We're new to this. Anyway, yeah. Thanks for coming, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.